Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Roshvina. And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. We have with us Dhanashree, who is a second year student at Chicago Booth School of Business and has deep experiences in the investing world in India, China, and now US. She's currently working with the investment team at Menlo Ventures, researching and sourcing potential investment opportunities in fintech, enterprise SaaS, and consumer internet industries. She has interned at Altos Capital and Foundation Capital in San Francisco earlier, developing thesis on future of work and age tech. Tanashi is a Yenching scholar at Peking University and has also worked with the Xiaomi investment teams in China. She started her investing journey with Bloom Ventures in India, where she joined after two years with Deutsche Bank. She's also an IIT Bombay graduate. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dhanashri. It's our pleasure to have you on. Thanks, folks, for having me on. Uh, a real pleasure and happy to contribute in any manner. Super. So jumping right in, Dhanashri, you clearly have a very strong international exposure in investing, be it in India, China, US, all three very strong markets. Could you share what drove you to carve out such diverse experiences for yourself? Was this a part of a plan already or it kept getting built as you progressed with each journey? I think I believe in being deliberate about life in general, about every decision, be it personal or professional. Um, I realized I wanted to be in the technology industry and hopefully in technology investing for the long term. And having realized this early on, it made sense for me to get exposure to different ecosystems because as much as people say that venture is a localized and you know geography-specific industry, I think there are so many cross-learnings that can be leveraged, right? If you look at China's e-commerce, fintech, consumer internet landscape, it's very advanced. Uh, there are so many learnings that are being applied right now in India, in US, especially in the fintech world. Right. Then if you look at India SaaS uh, ecosystem, calls out uh, frugal innovation, uh, which is now being built into a global, uh, you know, SaaS landscape. Right. Like so I think there are lots of uh, cross learnings. Say, for example, Israel, it's a huge cybersecurity hub. They're building some great uh, SaaS products out there. Eastern Europe is uh, having some really uh, insane design and tech talent. So I think there are lots of opportunities uh, in different markets. And for you to have either exposure or experience in different ecosystems makes sense. So that was a deliberate uh, effort from my end in order to sort of gain experience in India. China was definitely very deliberate. Uh, And then uh, the US, yeah. Great. And how is the recruiting process for those firms and um, geographies in general? What were the stark differences and process like for recruiting at your most recent roles? Uh, Sure. Um, So it's been truly a mixed bag. Uh, There have been instances where I got the role uh, in a day, like I interviewed in the morning and I had the offer by the end of day. Uh, Whereas in some cases I worked um, you know, I did un- unpaid work for the VC on top of having a full-time role for months, and then I got an offer. So it has been like very different. There have been instances where I connected with a 
partner, they really liked me, my profile, but, you know, there was dead silence for a few months. And then suddenly they're like, oh, you know what? We are still looking and we really like you. Would you want to join us? So it's definitely been a mixed bag, I would say. And again, even the interview process is so different for different companies. Some people write, like I mentioned, just one interview and they knew that I was the right fit. And then the others, which are slightly more process oriented, they had five interviews, each of them trying to build uh, on the other and then make a decision. So it's definitely been a mixed bag. That's really interesting to know. And we keep calling this that venture capital is generally like a black box. People don't know how to get in. And it's so interesting you mentioned that's across markets. It's not specific to, say, a particular geography. Uh, Building a little more on that, Dhanashree, what has been the most striking culture shock, as well as something that you fit in almost very comfortably as you change these geographies and funds? Okay, I'll preface my answer by saying that I believe culture shocks or, you know, cultural differences are slightly overrated. Uh, in my opinion, uh, if you if you truly are an observant, open-minded person, um, I think you would you would fit in or sort of like you know adapt very easily. So, for example, I've worked for an extended period of time in Mumbai, Bangalore, London, Beijing, San Francisco, and I think the bottom line uh, that I have observed is that everyone respect you being genuine, you being curious, respectful, and hardworking. And if you if you are that, I think you can overcome any cultural difference or any like cultural shocks that uh, you may encounter. And more importantly, if I were to answer the question in the most objective manner, my biggest cultural shock was obviously in China, which is sort of a world onto itself. Um, and it was a pleasant one because that's where I've seen like a a skewed gender ratio in terms of decision-making roles, where I saw a lot more women in uh, leadership roles, be it in product or in uh, venture, or even in just like leadership roles in different companies. I think that was very heartening for me to see. The fact that uh, women there were in these, you know, more like rich career-oriented positions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having worked in a, in a few countries myself, I do echo your sentiment on, on culture shock. There are certain things that the workplace that will always be there. Um, and I think our generation in general is very good at adapting to changing environment. Um, from your time working in investing for a few years now, have you experienced um, gender-based disparity at the decision-making level? You touched on it a little bit when you talked about um, China, but do you think that has been a key hindrance to not having more female-run um, portfolios at funds? And what do you think are a few things that these funds are getting really right uh, in terms of inclusion and some things that are completely missed? So I think the are two-pronged uh, problems. So one problem is the systemic gender-based uh, discrimination that women in finance and women in investing roles face. Then the second problem is because of this, the long-run systemic discrimination, I think there is also a slight underconfidence among women fund managers. Uh, if you look at the amount of funds that a, a male fund manager and a female fund manager, given the same background or the same uh, investing experience, go out to raise, the, oftentimes the male fund managers 
manager is aiming for a bigger fund, you know, a more aggressive carry and management fees. Whereas the women fund manager, the female fund manager is looking at a much more conservative, realistic uh, fund size, etc. So I think there are these two problems. And for and I would definitely recommend Project Sage at Wharton. They do a systemic study on how uh, women in investing roles um, have sort of like shaped up in the last few decades. What I think is one of the major reasons why there are not a lot of women-run funds. I think the problem is access to capital. If the traditionally the the capital, the LPs, etc., they have been males or they haven't uh, supported or backed uh, male, uh, you know, female fund managers previously. For them to back someone now, there's a lot of inertia there, right? There's a lot of uh, trust that needs to be built. You know, the thresholds are higher artificially. There's no reason why they have to be, but they are artificially generated. So I think that is a problem. For me, access to capital, access to mentorship for a great extent, right? Uh, If you had female versions of Don Valentine or like, you know, they... I'm pretty sure you would have more like female Doug Leonis, right? So I think it, that's that's where the difference is. That makes sense. And it's in fact very coherent with a lot of our guests who mentioned that mentorship in general is not very traditional at investing, you know, overall in the ecosystem and not having role models to look up to kind of becomes a inherent hindrance for people who are trying to break in. Um, so just wrapping up with your final thoughts, Anashree, that with this context bias experience and all of what you have, what would be your advice for folks and especially women who are trying to break into the industry around recruitment, preparation, and even culture expectations? My two cents on this topic uh, are that, one, like seriously back yourself to the hilt. There will be enough people telling you that you can't do it. Or for me, in fact, I'm an international student in the US. uh, And if I had a dollar for every person who told me that you can't break into VC, just forget it, do consulting, do banking, do tech, like you're, you're an engineer, do tech. Uh, I like, I would really be able to pay off my B school loan pretty quickly. Uh, But um, so that's number one advice, just if you really think this is uh, definitely test the ground, Definitely check if VC is what you want to pursue. And if the answer is yes, I would recommend that you back yourself to the hilt. Uh, Just uh, really like put your head down, work and network and like really be uh, of value to people you connect to and you will find a job. Uh, Obviously, if you have uh, any other constraints, well, you know, like take that into consideration, but... I'm sure as as long as you work hard, as long as you're capable and interested, you definitely will break into VC. It's not a big deal. And I think given uh, the the amount of uh, emphasis that uh, VC firms uh, put into hiring, you are also more likely to find the right cultural fit as well. Um, yeah, that's my first advice. And number two advice uh, VC is a very small asset class. If you want to do investing, uh, make sure that, again, VC also has long 
uh, you know, long life cycles. That is your performance. You won't know if you're a good VC or not, like in two or three years. You'll know it in like ten years, and so you might as well, you know, be sure that you want to do this for a long period of time. And once you do that, uh, what makes more sense is when you're going about networking with people. Try to be uh, as value adding as possible. Uh, by that I mean, a lot of people treat networking as a transactional, uh, you know, uh, transactional way of making contacts and like getting to that first job or getting to that first internship. No, it's not that at all. Right? Be deliberate and be genuinely interested in making that connection because that's exactly what you will end up doing as a VC is that nurture and build those connections. Nurture being the most key uh, word there. Yep, I guess that's it from me. This has been really invaluable, Dhanashri. I think a bunch of takeaways uh, our listeners will, will have. So thanks again for joining us. It was a real pleasure to have you on. My pleasure, folks. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.